Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm your host, Sandy Jones, publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we received so that we could come to you each and every week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in the pages of Christian Living Magazine. Joining me this week is my friend, and she is my friend, yes. Dee Sink. I can't ever say it right. We say Sink Night. Sink Night. Yes. I am. That's when Gay did your interview. She's like, how do I? And I said, I have no idea. She's going to have to tell you. I can never say it right. So Absolutely. please forgive me. No problem. In our current issue, our November, December 2023 edition, you share a bit of your family story with yes. our readers. And thank you so much. Oh, it was my honor. Absolutely. So, I want the story to get out about fostering and adopting. You know, it's so funny as we were preparing for this, you know, I, I there, there are several people on our advisory board and different things. And they were all so impressed with your story. There, oh, it's just like that's wonderful. Oh my gosh, well Sandy, really? Oh, really? You know, and it's, uh-huh. it was so cool. It's it's been so fun. It's been fun to watch it unfold. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just for transparency. D, you are the worship pastor at my own church. Yes, at, that's at Coverdale Church of God, where where I go, and and I'm not shy about that. Christian Living Magazine is a non denominational or cross denominational Christian magazine. We have to agree on who Jesus is, but I I never keep it a secret that. Steve and I attend Cloverdale Church of God, where you are the worship pastor, yes. and have been for how many years now? Actually, yesterday was my seven-year anniversary. That's amazing. Yes. You know, I look back, you know, when you first came, I don't sing well. So, okay. you know, so I, I, in your defense, <laughs> I avoid the worship pastor like the plague. I every, see. You know, it's always ask the busiest person you know to do things. Yes. And it's like, I don't belong on that stage with the microphone anywhere near my oh, mouth. Okay. And so I avoid the music pastor. Hi, I'll get to know you. But it's like, mm, don't get cl- too close. <laughs> you are a worshiper. I, I am a worshiper. I am Sandy. You are a worshiper. I, I know that. Praise the Lord. But you know, some people don't sit in front of us very often. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, sorry, folks. But suddenly one day there was this little with you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that kind of piqued my interest because I love children. Yes. I love to sing. I love to worship. I'm not, that's that, you know, mm-hmm. but suddenly one day you had this little boy with you and, and mm-hmm. it kind of piqued my interest and, and found out that you were fostering this beautiful little boy. And actually, I had adopted him by the time I started. Oh, so you, see, Cloverdale. I didn't know that. I thought no, he was still okay. a foster. See, I really had avoided you. That's right. <laughs> well, actually, during the um, even during the interview process, uh, Pastor Tom had said, at some point, we probably need to make sure to explain to people as a single mom, and especially as a pastor, to explain how you came to be a mom and just to, to show you know what you've done and, and how he came into your life. And so at the time, yes, I just had my little Josiah. He, was, he must have been four years old at that time. And he's a Adorable. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So so you talking about that, you are a single lady. I am. You're not shy about the fact that you've never been married. Uh, I'm not shy because I really haven't had a choice. I, <laughs> I would have liked to have been married, but this is the path I'm on, and I didn't want to miss out on being a mom. And you didn't let that stop you. Exactly. Correct. I, I love mm-hmm. that. So, so one day, as I'm, I'm kind of observing, mm-hmm. and and I, and I'm active with the church and with the church body here. Absolutely. And so, one day, I said, you know, I really want to get to know you better. So we had coffee. Yes. And you said, you know, Josiah will have to come. Mm. And, and now, for all transparency, for our listeners who don't know me personally, mm-hmm. for years. I have periodically had to take my children, who are now way adults, mm-hmm. and or my grandchildren, 
Yes. To work with me. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think twice about it. I was like, so bring him. And That's I stopped great. at the dollar store and bought coloring books yeah, and I crayons. I remember that. That was great. You know, I was like, we'll entertain him. It's mm-hmm. not, nothing's more interesting to a child than a brand new box of crayons. <laughs> so he may have 27 boxes at home, but he's getting another one here because that, you know, I still want a brand new box of crayons. Yes. And, but... I don't think I needed to do that. He is such a well-mannered. Oh, that's so great. Well, we have an articulate. Yes. I've never met a child more articulate than Josiah. Mm, wow. And he articulates anything that he is well-versed on. He articulates very well, mm-hmm. but he articulates his love of the Lord mm-hmm. very, very well. He does that very well. Bless the Lord. So how did you decide to start fostering? You know, it really was, I was in my 40s and had never even come close to being married, And just in prayer and just saying, God, I'm missing out on this piece and seeing everyone else who was my age at this point, they're already their children are starting to have children. And and I've always been the one who loved being an aunt. I love taking care of people's kids. I love engaging with them and, um, you know, trying to be the fun aunt sort of thing. But I really felt like and said to God, how come? How come I don't get a family, God? And and through a lot of tears, a lot of tears. Yeah. How come everyone else gets a family and I don't get one? And um, and just in prayer, and I I finally, you know, just in talking to God, said, "Well, I can't really do much about the husband. He's either going to come along in your perfect timing, or he's not. And that's something that I have to have a peace about. But I'm going to go ahead and pursue the mom side." And I just said, God, you're going to have to, I'm going to start peeking through doors. I'm going to open them a little bit, and you're going to have to handle the shutting. So if this is something that I should not be doing and that there's a different plan, then you're going to have to slam them really hard because I want to be a mom. My heart is to be a mom. So let me just pursue this. And as I pursue it, I was very clear and said, I want the children in my home who need me and the ones that I need. And I didn't mean that I couldn't have any children that I, that I wasn't going to eventually adopt. But but certainly my intention and my hope was that God was preparing a path that I could have children long term. And our family looks a little different than others, you know, with a single mom and children adopted. But I knew that I didn't want to miss out on that. Yeah. So I really sought God and, and asked for him to give me the desires of my heart on that one. So I have to ask, was Josiah your first foster child? He was close. I had uh, just two sisters in respite care just for a week and knew Josiah's family, uh, grandparents and great-grandparents, actually, through the church that I went that I went to. And so my pastor kind of connected us. And, and it was just from the very beginning with Josiah, it was, this is my son who was born of another mother. And I don't know how I knew that except by the Spirit, but... I had a real confidence that he was mine. Now, you still have to go through the process and, you know, parents still wanting, of course, to thinking that they're going to finish their case plan and eventually get their child back. And and it didn't work out that way for him. But that, of course, was God's plan to bring Josiah to me. So he was my first long term foster child. Let's talk a little bit about that, because we were talking about that before before we started recording today. Right. Longtime listeners of the show, you know, we've had representatives from Wednesday's Child here. Mm-hmm. We've had Fostering Idaho. Wonderful. And Tia, Tia Augusta is a good friend of mine, and I just love her. And, you know, and it's like, yeah, Tia, come talk to me. Talk mm-hmm. to us about fostering. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things I don't want to be remiss about, and you as an active foster parent understand and recognize this, mm-hmm. that the whole goal of the foster care program is to work with the family and to eventually reunite it is. the family. So let's talk about some of the that's that's as we talked about earlier, one of the obstacles, if you will, Mm -hmm. to becoming a foster parent is knowing 
that the end game, the end goal is to reunite those families. So absolutely. you have some really good words on that. You have a great philosophy on that. Well, so I would will, you share that with our listeners? Absolutely. But And I'll say that it came about in time. This was not <clears throat> some wonderful wisdom that I had going into it. I had to have God really minister this to me, to me and to bring revelation in this area. I was like everybody else, and and I want to make sure that everybody understands that when you say to me as a foster parent, when I try to encourage people to get involved, almost everyone is going to say, I cannot foster because I love children too much. I can't give them back. I said the same thing, and I would put money on probably 99% of current active foster families saying the same thing. There's none of us that are saying, yay, I want to bring a child into my home and pour myself into them and then lose them and cry for months on end. And it is kind of part of the gig. But I felt like after the first one that I had to give back, so I had Josiah and then I had a a little girl, I think I got her at four months, and it wasn't to her biological parents, but to an aunt of the biological mom who uh, ended up adopting her. And we still get to see her and have her in our life. And I cried and cried and cried. And I begged the caseworker, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Because I just loved her and still love her. And I went through months of mourning. I, it really is. It's mourning. It's losing yes. a child. But I felt like at the end of it that that God really gave me a revelation about this, that for me, my job is to be a bridge for for however long I have the child in my home, that there's troubled waters ahead for this child, because no matter what the trauma is, they are going through trauma. Otherwise, they would not be in the system. Exactly. A loss, um, addiction, incarceration, abuse, neglect. It could be so many different things, but they are in the middle of trauma. They are in the middle of troubled waters. And that my job is to provide a home for them and to love them like they're my own for as long as they're in my home. Now, I can't kind of half love them and I can't hold my heart back from them or I haven't done what they deserve as a child. As we as children of God, we want to be loved full on from our Heavenly Father. Well, I need to do the same thing. So I had a revelation that the pain that I feel when I'm giving those children back is whatever pain I have, I took it off of them. That I can handle it as an adult. This little, at the time, four-month-old, and by the time she moved on to her uh, adoptive family, I think she was about nine months. I didn't have her for too long. But whatever pain I saved her from, I took on. But I'm an adult. I can handle that. And we're made to do tough things. We're able to do tough things because God is our strength, and he's who who we walk forward in the path knowing that he can hold us up. And so if I can take that off a child and cry for months and miss them for years and, and hold them in my heart for my whole life, then I've taken it off of them. And that's, that's a sacrifice and a price that I'm willing to pay. And I hope that we all are. Yeah. You know, it's so funny and not funny, haha, but mm-hmm. those who have never gone through the foster care program mm-hmm. at all on, on the receiving end or the giving end, right. sometimes don't realize what a mess those kids come out of Absolutely. I was I was at a local mega store and there was a young woman with two children and she had everything those kids needed in that cart mm-hmm. clothes shoes yes. diapers you name it toothbrushes everything and she had her hands full and she had a voucher mm-hmm. and the kids were kind of falling apart wow and I was, we were back in the customer service area, and I was behind her in line, and I was returning something. And it became clear that 
she had her hands full. Yes. And so I started talking to the children and helping. And mm. and finally, she said to me, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. They showed up last night, and this is all they came with. What right. they are wearing right now is all they came with. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? And she said, yeah, we get a voucher. And, you know, this is, and, and this has been a number of years, so that may have changed. So please, people no, don't quote me on that. But, no, you're still on it. That's, but, yeah. but she literally, not only was she trying to get them through the trauma, mm-hmm. but they literally needed every earthly thing absolutely too, mm-hmm. you know and so i don't think that we realize that you know um i've had liberty thompson on the show with gym friends mm-hmm. you know and you know we've talked about children don't come into or out of foster happy healthy and whole no they come with some pretty significant baggage absolutely and so anyway god bless you and other foster parents for <laughs> well, for doing honored. for doing that so what are some of the rewards of fostering oh the, there's so many and the, of course just the relationship that you develop with with the children in your home whether they're ones that you continue on and end up adopting or that um, that will go back to biological families or an adoptive family the joy of seeing that child from that moment that you saw them in the store when everything in their life even if they're coming from a horrible abuse situation that's still their parents that were ripped from them and in their mind the world has now ended and this person that they don't know usually is driving away with them it's a a, like you said it's to really sit back and think about the experience of these children that someone they don't know is driving away from them from the only home and the only people that they have ever known and everything is in turmoil at that moment and to move them albeit often slowly through the process to come to a spot where they can feel like they have a home and that they have a team they've got a tribe of people that they can say i know this person is on my side to see that progression and it can be years it can be short, you know shorter a few months although my son who i adopted 8 years ago i'll just you know say honestly we're we're facing some things right now that he came into my home at 19 months and so my, my assumption would be we're free and clear. He's yeah. he's one of those kids. Know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, these things pop up, and it's not necessarily distinct memories that he can describe. But it's that it's something internal that is is still in turmoil and has never fully come to a spot of healing, and it's suddenly kind of rearing its head. And it's a lifelong process. But those moments that you get to see a child recognize that they can hop up in your arms where before you're that stranger that drove them away from their home but when they suddenly go oh you're a person that i can i can come and cuddle up with you and oh you are going to be we're in the store i'm looking around and everybody else is a stranger but this person has shown even in a couple weeks has shown that she's reliable to get me food to give me a warm place to sleep to hug me to get me to my school or my programs or my counseling and you're that person suddenly, and even if it's for a short amount of time, to know that you have provided that spot for a child who is um, not only undeveloped just because of age, but most likely emotionally, <laughs> you know, somewhat stinted and, yes. and unsure, for them to have any level of stability and safety and to see it on their faces, to feel it in the way that they hug you and talk to you and eventually pray is one of the most beautiful things you could ever imagine. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. When my boys were little, I had a sign that somebody had made me. I don't even remember who gave it to Mm -hmm. me. But, you know, we had the old 80s waterbed, you know, so it hung on the headboard (laughs) on my side. But it was, was a little sign that somebody had in calligraphy had written, 
remember children learn what they live. Mm. And so these foster kids who that's been the only home they've ever known. Yes. Suddenly they're not only jerked away from that, but Mm -hmm. everything they've ever known is normal. Mm -hmm. And they're seeing a calm, loving, accepting, Mm -hmm. and in your case, Christian home. Mm -hmm. Right. That a whole new experience for them. Absolutely. Peace and tranquility. Mm-hmm. So you recently, I mean, very recently. Very recently. So we had to, we, it's so funny because I'm perfectly human. And if, if Dee ever doubted that, she knows now because she got looped into an email between Gay and I during our production period. Unfortunately, you have also worked in print a little bit. Have, so you yes. understand the production period. But I was so embarrassed. And fortunately, it was all good. Mm-hmm. But we were getting ready to go to print with our current issue. And I was mm-hmm. proofreading it before we uploaded it to the printer. And I emailed Gay and I said, I wouldn't ask you to change something this late mm-hmm. in the game, but Ellie's adoption is final. Yes. I mean, like days ago. And she's like, no, we're fixing it. Good. You know, yeah. and so, you know, it's like, no, we're celebrating that. We're going to change it. Mm-hmm. So, so between the time of your interview for the magazine, when Ellie was, you were planning on adopting, yes. you were able to adopt Absolutely. Ellie. And she's so sweet. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what was the experience? How, how did the, how was that different this time? Because every child is different and unique. Absolutely. And so how was that different? And every child in the foster system, and truthfully, even within the same family. It's a it's a unique experience, of course. And Josiah came to me, as I mentioned, from a family that I knew of. The great-grandparents had actually been our church camp speakers when I was growing up. And so I was the piano player at 13. His great-grandmother was the organist, and his great-grandfather was the pastor, the preacher. Of course, we had no idea that years down the road, they would become part of my family. But the three of us led worship together when I was 13 years old and for several years after that. So that came to me through our church, through people that I knew and those and his family, particularly his grandparents, they are a family to be now. They are absolutely a second family to me. We see them all the time. We stay in touch with them. This is not true for most foster yeah, and adoptive families, situations. Yeah. But my little Ellie came to me um, strictly through a placement from the Department of Health and Welfare and um Got a call when she was six months old, and was I open to it? And her situation, I think I can share, uh, especially where we're at now, was failure to thrive. She was not a correct weight for how for how old she was, and um, and needed some help getting back to health, even just physically. And I, a previous foster child, I had uh, experienced the same thing. So that was one of the reasons that when they called me, they said, we think that you would be a great fit here because you've been through this. And um, so strictly through the foster system, had to meet the biological parents through that and, you know, work with them to the small degree that you kind of do. Really, the caseworker is the one that bridges most of that. But went through two and a half years of, of foster care with her and parents kind of trying to get her back and working with some other some of their other children and then I was her legal guardian for a year um before finally being able to say with my attorney's help can we try to dissolve this guardianship and move to adoption it, again when she came into my home as far as I was concerned she was my child born from somebody else and we you know the it, that's a hard, harsh thing to say maybe to the biological parents, but I, I believe that that was just a spirit revelation that God made that clear for me. So for her, it was a lot of, it was hard on my part that she would need to go home for weekend visits. 
And that's a hard thing as the foster parent. You know, when you're when you have an idea about what's going to happen at the home yeah. and that it's not going to be as probably as safe and stable as she is in your home and wonder how she's going to come back and if she's going to be safe. Those are hard things already where you really have to, as a Christian, be able to say, Lord God, she is in your hands. You've said from the beginning, I've known that she belonged to you. And I really have to trust that for a weekend because I'm not going to be changing her diapers and I'm not going to be feeding her and I'm not going to be consoling her. And so releasing her basically every week for a while to go home for a weekend visit, that really... Talk about a faith builder. That's where you're saying, I have to rely on you because I don't have any say in this. I can't say, nope, she can't go. That's not my choice. Uh, so anyway, just going through that with her. And then, as I said, a year as a legal guardianship. And uh, let's see, it was two weeks ago yesterday, I believe. Her adoption was finalized and we're just short of four years. And she is just, I mean, if you know her, she's the most precious, sassy Live wire. Wonderful live wire. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> she is. And I'll tell you, she is a little prayer warrior. If I say, oh, you know, I uh, ran my toe into it. She doesn't ask me. She says, Lord Jesus. Oh, well, she has a way she starts every prayer. And it's just so sweet. For me, would you please? It's always kind of for me. But oh. my mom's toe and she talks about the healing and what he's done on the cross. And I mean, this little four-year-old and, you know, not just through our home, but through Sunday school teachers. And she just, she's a prayer warrior. She launches into it and she knows God's going to do it. And she'll tell me, you know, when we're she's done praying, she says, does it feel better? Because she has that much confidence in the faithfulness of God. It must be better by now. I prayed. I, I love it. I'm faith <laughs> healing. I love it. Absolutely. So we're, we're coming down here. We're to the last couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So if someone is listening and they're interested in, in becoming a foster parent, mm-hmm. wh- where do you suggest that they go? Well, I, I, of course, can just address come from our local area. But for us, it's the Department of Health and Welfare. But I would say just look into your community. But somewhere there in your, uh, in your state administration, um, just look up foster care and you go through a process of qualification of course obviously you're going to do a background check Um, they go to they have uh, your doctor fill out a form to say that you are you know physically appropriate to raise a child and then of course you go through training they've recently changed the training but um, it can be a month long it can be a couple months long and then you do a home study and have someone in your home to say yes their home is uh, is appropriate and and once you finish that then they'll start calling you for to place children if it if you've kind of passed all those benchmarks and obviously they need to make sure that these children are going to places where they can be protected and be in a good place so contact your local state uh, administration that's and that's amazing and and i I just want to point out too Mm -hmm. you have been so fortunate that you've Yours are all babies. You, have, mm-hmm. you, have, you currently have a, a baby. I do, yeah. So Sunday I had to like not hold him. You're like, do you want to hold him? I'm like, no, I have a cough this morning. I can't hold him. Yep. But uh, next Sunday I'm going to hold him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but there, so in each issue or just about each issue of Christian Living, we mm-hmm. have a Wednesday's Child Corner, mm, wonderful. which is older foster children who are dying, who would love to have Absolutely. a home to call their own. And their wants and their needs, most of them are pretty basic. Mm-hmm. They want a shelter. They want family to love them. And to pay attention to what their goals and dreams are. Absolutely. You know, but they're, they just want to belong. Mm-hmm. And so, Dee, at this point, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you mm-hmm. for any reason, mm-hmm. where can they do? I would love for you to reach me just through our church, through Cloverdale Church of God. And you go, can go to our website, which is www.cloverdalechurch.org. And um, if you'll go to our staff page, you can contact me there, or you can certainly call the office. And and I just yesterday went to dinner with a friend who is going, she's starting into the foster process and had questions. I would love to answer questions to give you my experience, anything that I can do to help try to encourage people 
to step into children's lives who really just need a champion in their life. I love it. And I, and I know you, you mean that. I do. It's so sincere. Absolutely. I completely get that. So we are out of time. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Um, Absolutely. And for just making a difference. Thank you. you know? We invite you folks to read D, the rest of Dee's story in our current issue of Christian Living Magazine, available in over 600 locations throughout all of Southern and Central Idaho. Or if you're out of the area, you can read us online at christianlivingmag.com. That brings our time to an end for this week, folks. We invite you back next week when we have a special guest in store for you, someone who will encourage you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.